Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, your kids and grandkids are growing up in a virtual world. More so than you may realize, but these kids have to make a living, right? They have to build relationships and be in the real world. Coming up on the show, how to teach your kids not just to survive, but to contribute to a healthy online community. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. In his last press conference of his first term, President Barack Obama warned House Republicans that he will not be negotiating over the debt ceiling and urged them to raise it without pushing for more spending cuts. After more than seven weeks of treatment for bronchitis and related complications, former President George H.W. Bush is finally out of the hospital. He is currently the oldest living former president. Officials in Maryland and Delaware are joining forces to push for a national ban on assault weapons and certain types of high-capacity magazines as part of the response to last month's tragic shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. President Obama seems on board with the gun control push, saying today he will reveal Vice President Joe Biden's recommendations to reduce gun violence tomorrow and work hard to implement them. According to a new five-year study, drug overdose has overtaken AIDS as the main cause of death for homeless in the U.S. Prescription painkillers and heroin are the most commonly fatally abused substances. A few days ahead of the airing of an interview with Oprah Winfrey, former cyclist Lance Armstrong has reportedly apologized to the entire staff of his charity Live Strong. Many expect Armstrong will admit to doping during his athletic career. World news. Islamist militants have vowed a long war against France, France in Mali and, be, and begun a counteroffensive today after a weekend of French airstrikes. Rebel leaders have also vowed to strike at the heart of France. The Syrian civil war is creating a staggering humanitarian crisis, according to the International Rescue Committee. Over 2 million people have been displaced, with over 600,000 of those fleeing the country. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. Your coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on our program to give you a leg up on this crazy thing we call life. Today's show is going to be a good one. We are going to give you some tools, some ideas again about the Internet. Now, last time, uh, last week, we talked a lot about the Internet and how, you know, it could be slowly leading you down to destruction. But... We're going to turn it around this time. Today, we want to talk about how you can start using the Internet to be a better community uh, participant, to build a better world, how you can use in a more proactive way the Internet to, um, to create a healthier life, a healthier world for you and your family, how to model it. We're going to be bringing on an expert, Dr. Jill Manning, who's going to help us with that. And before we go there, of course, we like to do this thing we call the Human Headlines. Real news that affects real people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Human Headlines. Now, the Human Headlines are where we like to take a good long look at the the good, the bad, the ugly of the world. And uh, interestingly, um, today, a lot of our stories, I believe, are going to be relating to technology. Who's got some news for me? Yes, Bryce Tobin. So The Tobinator. So at CES... 
There was a really, really cool piece of technology. What is CES? CES. It's the Consumer Electronics Show. Did you say Contrumer? Contru- consumer? Because I have never met a Contrumer. Contrumer. I just did that, and I had no idea. I like it. Normally, I wouldn't hear All right, that. well, this will be my last show on the Matt Townsend Show. I'll see you guys <laughs> Let's never. Let's start all over. Bryce, no. what you got for us? So, at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show going on right now. Or Good. is it over yet? I don't know if it's over yet. I don't know. I don't it's, know. The, it's kind of the party that just keeps going. It, yeah. Well, what happens is... It's like a frat party. They do it... For techies. Um, they'll take a whole bunch of video, but they won't be allowed to release it. So, like, the show will have happened... And then, like, the videos will all kind of trickle out. They're all starting we'll coming kinda, out. Anyways, so it's kind of like it lasts a month. Yeah. Almost. Anyway, there was a very, very cool little piece of technology that they were uh, showing for the first time. Now, Matt, when you deal with a touchscreen device, yes. Um, I don't know if you feel this way, but I don't really have any speed with it. Like, no. I, it's cool that I can touch the screen, and that's no. nice, I guess. My fingertips hurt. But it's I don't I don't get a feel for it. I can't type very quickly. Yeah. Um, you want it to give a little bit. Yeah, you, I need something. Ba- I need some. What they call it is haptic feedback. Something that Ooh. sends it back okay. to me that let me lets me know what's going on. Well, um, I kind of like the title that they have for this, but they call it "World's First Lumpy Tablet." Oh man, I don't know for the lumpy people out for there. the lump <laughs> for the lumps of anyways. Um, it's it's really kind of like the coolest thing ever. Totally out of a movie. The screen changes depending Ooh. on what you have, what you're doing. So let's say you pull up a keyboard. Well, guess what it does? It puts wherever all the keys are, it puts these little divots in the screen so that you can tell where, you know, W, A, S, D, and X, spacebar. And it feels like a real keyboard. Yeah. It feels, you can put your hands on it and you know where everything is. And then, don't need the keyboard, then you just, whatever exit out of it, and then it just kind of just kind of like melts into like, like you remember that the Terminator movie? Cool. The yeah. Terminator that like melted? Yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah. It I just like melts that. back into it. And, um, that's like that is your favorite thing out of that entire conference. Uh, I'm still looking at stuff, but so far that's the one that I see as coolest. Something yeah. that people have wanted Practical. for a while. Is that something though that ever is actually going to be made? Yeah, because yeah. I remember going to the auto show a long time ago. It was like 1991, and they showed this minivan called the Voyager Two or whatever that split in half. Oh, you have a little tiny car in the front for and when the kids are an fighting. area for kids in the back. And That's great. They never made it. Well, so, so when I hear things like tablets yeah. that you can touch, I they'll go, make oh, it. It'll be like twenty million dollars. No, actually. That's what everyone was kind of worried about. They're like, well, it's cool that you can do this, but we can also go to Mars. Doesn't mean it's practical. <laughs> no, this is actually pretty practical. They can use it. Um, and it'll, it's going to go into the and next. And it's just really jello. It's like knock blocks. Knox blocks. Have you heard of those? No. Is that but... like predating all of you? <laughs> Uh, Lincoln Logs? How does that, in in reference to Lincoln Logs, where is that? No reference. So, uh, Knox Blocks, everybody out there, everybody that's older than you all knows what a Knox Blocks is, I believe. Is it like an earlier version of Lego? It's Jell-O. Oh. (laughs) It's Jell-O that holds its form longer. So, it's like more gelatinous, so you can make them into cubes, and they stay. And if you've ever gone and had a cube... A real cube of Jello that was just sitting there, and they were serving them. That's a Knox blocks. Oh. Huh? Do you eat them? There we go. Uh, you eat them. Oh, like there are tons food. of. So why I'm saying that's great is because all that is is a keyboard that's got Knox blocks in it. <laughs> it holds its shape until you eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it melts in your mouth. <laughs> then it melts in your mouth. 
That's give me a keyboard that melts in my mouth. Boom, I'll buy it. That's a cool story. So CES is working. They're at least uh, giving us something that might be practical. Who else has got some more human news? Uh, Tybo. Well, I was kind of wondering. Tybo. I was wondering uh, what kind of <laughs> a dance craze, <laughs> an exercise workout. Oh man. Do you uh, do you have a smartphone, Matt? Yes, I do. Yeah. It's okay. What kind of a smartphone do you have? I have an iPhone 5. iPhone 5. Mm-hmm. It's a little gooey. Nice. But it's good. Okay. Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of apps do you get for it? Do you uh, get like the Apple apps or do you just I, My you... kids get the apps, really. Oh, okay. And I haven't bought an I mine are all productivity apps like okay. Word and things like that. Okay. Dropbox. And the uh, football game you play. Right. The football game I love to play during our right. meetings. That's It keeps us entertained. Um, okay, well, I was wondering because there's a story, and it says that uh, the two main cell phone smartphones you can get today are the iPhone, of course, and the Android, which is powered by Google. Yes. But what's happening is that people are buying the iPhone and using the Google apps. They're getting like Android interfaces. They're getting oh. uh, all the Google apps. So, for example, Google Maps instead of the yes, the Apple, the Mac Maps. Um, getting I have Google apps. No, yeah. Yeah, love it. Yeah, so I can go get all. I can go get Google apps. Yeah, um, and so what? So mm. what Google does is they don't really make money from selling their phones like Androids. They're more concerned about making money on the names of the stuff that they sell. So they'll they'll make the apps that are good for your iPad and, and for your iPhone and for the Android and your tablet and everything else. Cool. Uh, and so what's happening is people are getting the iPhones because it's a big brand name, but they. Are more ha- they're happier with the Google the Google app, so they're kind of like the Android app on the iPhone device. Exactly, that's and it's going to create. And it's a, a very smart move by Google because what happens is when people get the iPhones, you know, they'll use them out. Yeah. After using an Android interface on their iPhone, they're more apt to go get the Android once the iPhone breaks. Oh man! Don't tell my children this. Have, I'm, I'll give you a story later, but my kids and their iPhones have cost me some serious dough. <laughs> So interesting. So maybe Apple needs to get some more kind of these Android apps so it's a little more exciting. Apple is getting a little worried. They're getting a little nervous because they see this happening, the fact mm. that Google is kind of monopolizing on this type of thing. But I they can't Google's, really do much about it. Google's smart. They are. They're, They're very smart. They're quietly taking over the world. Yes. I don't know if you guys know this, but they've taken a picture of everywhere on Earth. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. They were in my bathroom. Wow. Taking pictures. <laughs> It was weird. They call it Google Bath. <laughs> no, it's weird. It's not popular yet, but I hear it's going to take off. You know, I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I was on Google Maps this morning. You didn't see my bathroom, Looking did you? at – no. Okay. But I was looking at my parents' property behind their house. Okay, that's creepy. And I saw the neighbor's shed, and I thought, oh, is that shed still there? And I actually grabbed the little guy and wanted to drop it, the little street view man. And put him there. And and I was in the process of clicking and dragging him over. And I thought, well, that's dumb. It's not like the Google car has been ba- in my parents' backyard. <laughs> he drives into but, the backyard the, looking the over your fence. subconscious mental yeah. training that See we've had happening? to have access to everything, that's that's kind of interesting. And what that. does it mean when all of a sudden we're out there telling – we're like getting Google to go look at everything we are too lazy to go look at? Hmm? 
We could go just look at it ourselves, Rob. It just saves me a lot of money. It's going to be a long time before I ever see Paris, but I've been there with the Google Street View car. <laughs> see, you've, d- you've done the trip to Paris. You don't even need to go now. It's, that's the new, uh, new honeymoon. You just kind of stay in your house. And... and not a single person was rude to me on that virtual trip. It was great. <laughs> a lot cheaper. <laughs> it sounds kind of lonely. Did you stand with anybody under the Eiffel Tower? Uh, this, the car didn't get close enough. Didn't it? Just the guy, uh, the Google guy. <laughs> Lenny from Google. Hey, that's interesting. Okay, that's cool news. Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna have to start getting more of these Android apps hmm, and interface. I better ask my kids how to do that. Yeah, they'll probably know. Jess, now you got a story for us, and I can just see you chomping Yay. at the bit. I know. <laughs> Jess is our newest member, Jessica Black. She's single. Twenty. No, oh, how hey. about it? Just, we're gonna get you married today, Jess. You have my audience. Yeah, your mom would be so proud. I know. What uh, <laughs> What have you got for us today? Okay, uh, so on that device. Do you have any ebooks? Do you read? Yes, I love ebooks, but yeah? I don't read them on this because it's too small. I read them on another device. Oh, I have a thing you called an iPad. Okay, me too. That's you ever, what I. Do you have that's an how iPad? I roll. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, I love them. I have a mini though. Not, Ooh. I'm not like. Well, yeah. But not, anyways, <laughs> I'm really. Uh, I've actually torqued my whole body because I use my iPad and I walked in. I and my laptop. I walked. I have physical ailments because of my technology use. Literally walked into my physical therapist, told him about how my neck hurts and it feels like really kinked and tight. And his first question is, do you have a laptop? I'm like, yes, sir, I do. Do you have an iPad? Yep. Do you use them in bed? Yeah, I do. Do you use them just sitting on the couch? Mm -hmm." (laughs) And he goes, that's why. And literally, I had physical therapy because of my iPad. Mm, okay. That could be a problem. Okay, That's my why I'm new all story. Yeah, what's your story? Is about reading books um, on on ebooks and uh, Scholastic, because usually adults read ebooks, right? Um, but Scholastic did a report and it finds out that more kids are reading them. So forty six percent books on an, see on an iPad. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Oh, it's for college. It's like yeah, a lifesaver. Anyways, so these are just 9 to 17, though. So okay. these are like kids. But kid kids. I mean, what if your kids just took an iPad to school that, instead of we might have to a have bag that, of books? Yeah, that could be huh? a problem soon. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing. I tried to get as many of my textbooks on my – I have a Kindle Fire HD. And so I tried to get as many textbooks as I could on that. So now I can study anywhere I go. I don't no, have to do carry you, out all my textbooks. I love that, except I don't have – I like to take notes. I like to take really good notes and circle and draw on pages. And yeah. Well, and some, some people that? are still old school. Like but- <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, but they, they still said that 80% of kids who read ebooks still read print books. So, I mean, obviously. It's still there. We're not completely there yet. I but wonder it's if moving. The, these uh, book providers, the publishers, are as open to this. Because, like, when, when they give you a book to read at a, with a school class, they've got 40 books there. I wonder if they're going to like having all these apps. It's kind of like the music industry didn't pick up on it very early. Uh, well, you're the saving publishers. the environment for those. We are, but the costs are still high. I mean, they're not. I mean, you're still paying yeah. whatever twelve dollars a book for an ebook. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of like a rip-off. and it looks like. I mean, Scholastic did it, so they're yeah. obviously like and on they, top they, of it. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Fascinating. Nice. Okay, I like. <laughs> this is cool technology. So it's interesting. Have you guys noticed that uh, you are the younger generation? So if I asked you to go in, in fact, I have asked Madison, she's not here today, but I asked Madison to go in and change my background on my laptop and she just jumped right in and just did it. I mean, now I could do that on a regular PC. That's really hard to do that. We're trying not to laugh. That's cute. 
It's cute. Well, you're trying, yeah. Well, it's also, there. Madison knows how to change the background because anytime she's not paying attention to her computer, I go and change her background to oh, something else. Oh, okay, I was well wondering done. why. So, it seemed like so top of mind. Would you guys know how to, um, would you guys know how to write an app? Oh, then I don't know. No. no, but I bet you there's a YouTube video out there that'll show <laughs> I you. I guarantee. You could find out. I guarantee. Because here's the deal. Um, my kids, are they know a lot about technology. I wonder if they know more than you. You're college students. Do you think we the younger gen, I think a 12-year-old knows more. I mean, just the average smart 12-year-old that likes technology knows as much as you do. Well, I think they might have grown up with this stuff, but we have better analytical minds. I think we could figure You're it out. Smarter. We yeah, could you figure it out have fast enough that we could keep up to with process it. it. Here's why. Uh, you know, for Christmas, I gave my kids um, some smartphones. We ended up giving, we ended up buying four, five new phones for Christmas. Okay, and I got my first bill. Uh-oh. And yes, then so you sold all the phones back. Yeah. So <laughs> when I got the bill, I got. Uh, I, I decided I'm going to probably sell them all. Guess what my bill was? How many no people? Idea. How many people are we guessing for? There's now me. There's uh, five of us, six of us that use seven of six of us that use phones and at my home and an iPad. Six. Phones. So six actually. So seven devices. Technology. Twelve hundred dollar bill. One thousand two hundred dollar bill for one month. <laughs> yep. <laughs> For September. Ouch. Daddy blew a gasket. I bet. I bet. <laughs> and a gasket. Daddy blew a big gasket. I would like to see that. Oh, would you, oh you're about to see it, Sky Boy. Give me one more minute. Daddy blew a gasket, and I just freaked out. And then I realized that they had put me on the wrong program. Because I was supposed to be on a family plan where we share mm-hmm. all these minutes. But no. But what I did find out is I have some kids that if they weren't on a family plan, they would cost themselves three, $400. Just wow. like in texting fees, messed up. Messed up. At least they're social. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, well, I think you need to find good. new kids. I think, <laughs> I think I've got them right here. I think the ones you got are defective. I think you need to send them back and so, get some new ones. that's the topic of today's show. We're going to say, okay, so instead of just freaking out about all this internet and high-tech stuff, what we're going to do instead is how do we teach our family to be really healthy users and kind of producers of online content. How do you become a really effective, healthy consumer? And how do you participate in an online community? That's what we're talking about on the Matt Townsend Show, the good side of the internet and trying to promote healthier living there. We'll come back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. NASA plans to make time fly with more precision than ever before. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. If you want to navigate in deep space or just to the next town, your navigation system is only as good as the clock it uses. Your car's GPS may be off by a few hundred feet on a cross-country trip, but the tiniest errors in navigation at interplanetary distances can throw off a spacecraft destination by hundreds, even thousands of miles. Perfecting the clock means everything to getting where you need to go. 
That's why a new design of miniaturized deep space atomic clock by Pasadena's Jet Propulsion Laboratory will soon be tested by NASA as it hitches a ride on an upcoming Iridium phone satellite launch. It's designed to use a vibrating atom of the element mercury to make the clock 10 times more precise than any previous design. How precise is the new clock? Another mercury ion oscillating clock at the National Institute of Standards recently came in with a predicted accuracy of one second in about 400 million years. Additional uses for the clock's technology on Earth will be in computer and communication networks on the cutting edge of performance. The Internet itself runs on atomic clock time. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. For those BYU radio programs you may have missed or even just want to hear again, subscribe to BYU Radio on YouTube. There you can find archived shows from programs like The Morning Show. Just search BYU Radio on YouTube and subscribe. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are taking on technology again. We've done that last week as well, but uh, last week we talked about the problems with technology, how it might just be here to slowly kill you. Today we want to talk about how do you foster a more responsible citizenship, kind of a citizenry online. We're all participating in it. How do we use our own ideas, our own approach to the online world to create a healthier uh, internet and and a safer, kinder, gentler internet. Let's now go to our great producer Bryce Tobin, BT. He likes to be called the Tobinator, but uh, he asked the simple question: Have you ever wanted to be someone else? Well, good news, we have the internet for that. But what happens when things go too far? Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is right. The Internet's a pretty cool place. I go there a lot. And trust me, spend enough time online and you'll find some of the strangest people, some of the strangest things, but you'll also find some of the most unexpected behavior. And it all stems from the sudden anonymity we gain on the Internet. You see, societies and cultures have developed around face-to-face interaction because the vast majority of human interaction over the course of human history has been face-to-face human interaction. When we interacted, people could identify us by our face, our voice, our name, and if they knew our last name, they could identify our family, and so on. So, there was this sort of social responsibility to act in certain ways when dealing with people because we lacked anonymity. But once we got the telegram working, everything started to change. For example, on the internet you'll find confessions that people wouldn't dare say out loud that can be enlightening, horrible, and sickening all at the same time. I've found some such as, I'm a male and secretly like Twilight. Or, when I'm on Facebook, I unfriend people on their birthdays. Or, I don't care about your struggling art career. Or, I thought the movie was better than the book. Or, sometimes I fill my bathtub with marinara sauce and pretend I'm a little meatball. Or, I dislike Nutella. Or, I think I'm better than you because you watch reality television. Or, I have never prevented a forest fire. Or, when I said I didn't have a favorite child, I lied. Or, when I heard around the office the other day, I don't think newborn babies are cute and they look like nasty, tiny, wrinkly old men. And when people post pictures of newborns talking about how cute they are, I think these people are unintelligent and they're just deluding themselves. (sighs) 
But even I take advantage of a degree of anonymity right here and now. None of you in listener land know who I am. I mean, you know my name, but that's really it. And the world is a pretty big place. But if I were to say any of these things to someone out in public, in their astonishment they would form an angry mob with the rest of the local citizenry and drive me out of town with their torches and pitchforks. But on the internet, you can say whatever you want. Another example, just a few days ago I was on the computer and found some people getting a bit mouthy with each other. Once it started, things escalated instantaneously. People were using caps lock, foul language, talking about each other's moms. It was very intense. And then one guy hops into the mess and says, Hey, why don't you quit talking and find me in the real world and say that to my face? Okay, first off, I would never want to encounter someone I met on the internet. It's happened to me before, and let's just say I was disappointed. Also, I know nothing about you. We all want to imagine the stereotypical neck-bearded basement-dwelling troll, but there's no guarantee that that's the case. You could be former military, a boxer, a kendo master, Edward Scissorhands, I don't know. You see, the usual male confrontation usually goes like this. Once someone has decided to have a problem with someone else, you size everything up. Who's bigger? Who looks crazier? How much backup does everyone have? Does the other guy look like he works out more than you? Is negotiation a possibility? And from all of this, you either decide to proceed with the confrontation or escape into the night. But on the internet, you have none of this. It's a gamble, and I don't see how that gamble can be worth it. So here we stand on the cultural precipice. We have all these old ways of doing things, and now we have all these new ways of getting around just about all of them. But can we adjust in time? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Good stuff. I love it. You had quite a list of oars. Yes, a lot of oars in there. What was the deal with Jessica putting down newborns? Well, I may or may not have goaded her into it, but... She went off. She took the bait. Um, she would never dare say that to somebody that just had a baby and she was standing with the, with the baby right there. Would you say that, Jess? Or would you just say it online? Hmm? Huh? Hmm? Uh, you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't dare say it right to a new mommy. Like no. you wouldn't say, "Man, your baby looks like a raisinette." They're in mama bear mode. They would. <laughs> you wouldn't they say would that. Attack me. No, I wouldn't. Okay. See, that's what we're talking about. No, I'm getting all bashful. I was so like proud when you I was were going talking. Off. <laughs> well, uh, let me point out that the office like dies at five o'clock. No one's here, yeah. and there's like two or three scragglers, and we're all hungry and grumpy, and so we'll you threw it anything. out there. Did you just say, what did you say? Well, I was just sitting at my desk and just saying, don't like, you hate newborns? You know what? I don't think all babies are cute. There's just something like that. And I agree. Some babies are funny looking. Some look great, but some are funny looking. Most, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say we don't make it to this world very good looking. No. That's just what I'm going to say. Well, I think it's, you're just, ought to be grateful your cone head doesn't stay that way. Yeah. It goes away three or four days. Because what if it didn't? <laughs> what hat would you wear? <laughs> The hat would just ring just around your head. See, this is the key to the show today. Today's show, we're going to be bringing on Dr. Jill Manning, and she's going to teach us that it's not enough to just react to the social media. We are the ones out there creating it. We're creating these messages. We're saying it. We're taunting people. We're admitting that we want to be a little meatball in a bathtub filled with marinara yeah, sauce. And that was Skyboy, which freaks me out because I thought he hated <laughs> Italian food. Right, Skyboy? Actually, I do enjoy Italian food. But, but, but uh, bathing in it's just weird. <laughs> well, From now can, on, you're our little like, meatball. I can eat and bathe at the same time. Kill two birds with one stone. That's not so. a bad idea. Good point. <laughs> um, it really is a big responsibility. So um, do you guys feel like on a scale from 1 to 10, you're, in a, you're a very effective, what's the word, citizen online? Are you a healthy, are you trying to, are you, do you end up promoting more good than bad Cynicism, anger, pain. 
I'm a much nicer person online. <laughs> Thanks. On a scale, is it like one, <laughs> one to is ten. nice? Ten is like ten you're is... the bomb, incredible, nicest, most incredible person. Okay. I'd say uh, 8.75. 8.75 anti-newborn <laughs> person. Good, Jess. If I were to admit it... Um, I'm much better than I was. You're improving. Um, so I you're was, a three now. <laughs> what would you, I'm, I'm a strong three. I'm pulling a hard four. No, that'll be interesting because we're going to ask Dr. Manning because maybe the real key is that you should just maybe be more who you need to be. Be you, right? But what if what if you're not a very good person? Well, then you do don't you, have to Then be. do you need to be better? Welcome to the internet. Yeah, but maybe that's what we're going to talk about. Who knows? Dr. Manning knows. She knows what we should be doing to create a, a healthier kind of sense of not only guys just who we are but more taking a responsibility for this online citizenship we're all a member and if it's such a bad horrible thing apparently we're to blame we're going to come back with dr jill manning right after this on the matt townsend show on sirius xm 143 byu radio BYU Radio's Highway 89 features unedited performances from talented musicians. With genres from rock to classical and everything in between, Highway 89 can take you on a musical journey, all from the performance studio at the heart of BYU Radio. Join us for this mixtape adventure with Highway 89, Monday through Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama says he will not be negotiating over raising the debt ceiling, which could put a hitch in House Republican plans to use the debt cap as a bargaining chip to cut spending. Without the raise, the U.S. could default on its loans. With Vice President Joe Biden's recommendations to reduce gun violence coming tomorrow, President Obama said today he is going to work vigorously to implement them to help stop future tragedies like the Newtown, Connecticut shooting last month. State officials in Maryland and Delaware are also pushing for gun control, joining forces to urge the national government to ban assault weapons and certain high-capacity magazines. Former President George H.W. Bush is out of the hospital after seven weeks of treatment for bronchitis and related complications. He is currently the oldest living former president. A new five-year study reveals drug overdose has overtaken AIDS as the main cause of death for the homeless in the U.S. Prescription painkillers and heroin are the most common fatally abused substances. A few days ahead of the airing of an interview with Oprah Winfrey, Winifrey, excuse me, former cyclist Lance Armstrong has reportedly apologized to the entire staff of his charity, Live Strong. Many expect Armstrong will admit to doping during his cycling career in the interview. World news. After a weekend of airstrikes by French forces, Islamist rebel militants in Mali are vowing to strike back as they continue to try and overthrow the current government, threatening to attack the heart of France. The Syrian civil war is creating a staggering humanitarian crisis. According to the International Rescue Committee, over 2 million people have been displaced, with over 600,000 of those fleeing the country. That's the news now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Our goal on this show is to give you the the leg up on this thing we call humanity. You know, it doesn't come with an owner's manual. And then all of a sudden we have these marketers and all these people creating these high-tech devices. Some of us don't have a clue what we've got. We've done shows in the past about the dangers of technology. And we, we had actually done one with Dr. Jill Manning a while ago talking about, um, I think, pornography um, and, the, and the impact of that. But one of the things we wanted to do with her, now Jill's a marriage and family therapist, a PhD. Um, she's also been a former social science fellow at the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. Dr. Manning has also testified before a Senate subcommittee about the harms of pornography on families. And what we um, wanted to do is have her come back because there's more to life when it comes to technology than just being upset about it. We, we also have a responsibility to each other when it comes to social networks, technology, online you know, um, activities, uh, the media, and information. And so we wanted to bring her back. Dr. Manning, are you with us? I sure am. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for coming back again. Because, I mean, to me, it's funny. We, we all have complaints about technology. And yet, I mean, I guess in social networks and social media. But in the end, aren't, aren't we just really the network? Aren't we the media when it comes to yeah, the online? And that's an age-old debate, isn't it? Which influences which? Yeah. You know, is, and, and, you know, culture and art, is it reflecting or, or driving? Right. Uh, the ship here. But uh, although we we don't often think of it as being citizens of the World Wide Web or Mm -hmm. virtual citizens, as I like to call it, we really are. Um, You know, the majority of adults, we have approximately 85% of adults in the U.S. and 93% of our adolescents go online regularly. They're part of the community. It's a huge, massive worldwide community. And there's privileges and, and benefits to that. That's why we all go on. But there's also responsibilities to that citizenship, if you will. It's so, we, we, don't don't we don't think about this. We don't talk about this, do we, Doctor? We don't. We don't. And, and I think this is really a piece of the Internet safety discussion that, uh, that's needed. And just becoming, using technology to enhance life rather than having it be a, a detriment. Mm-hmm. Just like in our communities... It, you know, if you're a member of a city or a town and you pay your taxes and you live in this town, you you have not just the rights of citizenship, but you also have the responsibilities of it. And uh, and you're just saying that needs to be paralleled in the virtual world, the online world. That's right. You know, day to day in in a society or a community that's functioning well, there's etiquette, there's protocols and laws that that keep things running in an orderly and law-abiding fashion. And when, and when those are crossed or violated in some way, there, there can be great harm done. And what I, one thing that I like to uh, put out there and discuss is that what, what's the impact that we are having in that online community? Are we doing harm? Are we putting forth good messages and, and contributing to good causes? Or are we contributing to the problem? Oh, I love that. I uh, answer me this because so we had a really interesting situation, um, and I won't name names, but 
I you know there's all these on YouTube there's all these sites where they you know they make really good music videos and um there's a group I will name this name there's a group called the Piano Guys which is uh they're out of Utah but they just it's a it's it's about five men one's a web developer kind of guy one's a really good audio guy that knows how to make good music another's a, a pianist named John Schmidt and um, another is a cellist um, named Stephen Sharp Nielsen, and they make really good music. And but it's interesting because they also are willing to like post in their community videos to kind of promote other people that make good music. But the music they make is they actually take classical music and they put a new edge on it a little bit, and they and they put it out there. Anyway, as far as the citizenship thing goes, um, somebody that had already been promoted kind of by these guys had a new video that they wanted to post that was really good quality high quality but what they did is they didn't like um necessarily they didn't like the message of the music that was that was copied or created even though the message was um it, it was it was a more risque message it was one that they didn't want to have associated with their name as that kind of an image mm-hmm. so it's interesting they they just chose not to promote it and um, but it and it what it said to me, though, finally, is that if you're going to have this big, they have one point two million subscribers. They're incredible. I'd highly suggest you go look them up on YouTube. They're amazing. And yet they're taking the role as in this citizenry thing as being a good virtual responsible citizen that doesn't want to promote certain content. Well, I, I think that is a group of people that really understand and they're mindful of what it is that they value and that they are wanting to put forward and represent their image. And it also indicates a great deal of healthy self-respect that they don't want to be associated with messages that are toxic or undermining of what they stand for. And that's really something that I, I would invite all of us to do. What are those core values that really matter to us? And do our online activities and images, photos, etc., reflect those values? Now, I'm not suggesting in any way that our online profile should uh, reflect all of us. Right. But what it, it does reflect, I do believe, should be congruent with who we are. Uh, that we are not perpetuating that double life that those incongruencies that so often lead people down pretty slippery paths yeah. and, and can cause a lot of harm. It really, and it's it's hard, too, because you, you actually have to be intentional in everything you're doing. In the online world, it's easy to just keep passing on thoughts that are, um, you know, someone else's ideas and, and not even think about it just because it came from someone famous or it came from somebody special but it, part of this you're kind of saying is we need to be a lot more intentional about what our values are exactly taking some time to reflect okay what do i really stand for what are those core priorities and values in my life that really make up who i am and and i would take it even one step further and and ask people the following question that if the only thing someone knew about you was what they could learn of you online would that reflect accurately parts of your life and who you are? That is such a great question. Or would we see a totally different person? 
And, and I don't know about you, Matt, but I've had that happen in my life where you have learned of a group or, or a, a person or even a company online, mm-hmm. and then you meet them or you have dealings with them in real life, and it's completely different. Yeah, you're like, what? You're not even right. like that. No, right. that's so and, real. And I hear that so often with singles who are dating online, right? <laughs> yeah. Where the image that's put forward on a dating site is totally different than when you know when they actually meet with that person. For you dinner. said you were six foot, <laughs> and he's like right. five five. <laughs> right. Nothing wrong with that, but come on, don't say you're six foot if you're five five. But that that is actually, I guess, the the online medium is more conducive to creating an image of kind of your ideal, not your real. Right. I mean, oh, I could go create people my ideal self. All the time. Yeah. You know, people really capitalize on that and leverage that for their gain. Yeah. Sometimes that can really bite them. And sometimes they can go on with with this false image or or information about them. It's interesting that I notice uh, more and more commercials and marketing pitched to companies to improve their image or get rid of negative reviews online about their company or hotel or whatever it may be. And and I I thought the other day, well, what what happened if each of us did that a little bit? You know, where we stepped back and really thought, is what's online about me, whether it's through a social uh, media site or just things that are floating around or things that we've posted on Pinterest or whatever it may be. Um, is that enhancing and helping mm. what we want to put out there and, and what we stand for, or is it undermining, um, really shooting us in the foot? I, I love that question, too, because um, the, the mere fact that you're saying to go back to your core priorities and values mean that these probably won't change. I mean, some people... What they might post about them when they're 18 is something they would hate to have posted about them when they're 30 right? <laughs> and with right. kids. And, and so, but if we're down to our core values, our core principles and priorities, then it, that's something that's kind of more universal. It'll stand the test of time. That's right. I love that. That's right. Do you, well, do you, you have know, some I... ideas, and, and we'll probably have to come back and do this, but do you have um, some ideas of how we get to those core values? those core principles? You know, I was, I was reading an article just on the weekend that talked about how driven our society is here in the United States, that we work more hours uh, than any other group of people on the planet. Mm. We're more tired than any other group of people on the planet. We're more depressed and anxious than any other group. And so what I'm about to say, a lot of people may think, oh, I don't have time to do that. But really to... To sit and think through what are those things that I most stand for? What are the things that most matter, the priorities in my life? And do my activities and behaviors day-to-day match up with those? Am I devoting the, the time to those priorities? I mean, it's really simple stuff. Yeah. But it's taking the time to do that. Yeah, we're too and busy doing everything else. not about that in our real life, but also online do my activities, the things I search for and participate in and support, are those lining up with what really matters to me? So I think that's the first key, and we've talked about Love that. I, um, I, I think that's interesting because kind of as a – my website, my Facebook page, I guess, more is um, – it's kind of more of a reflection of my business. And, and it's interesting because it's a business, I do ask those questions. 
But I bet you it's something that most people privately don't just do when they're thinking of their Facebook page is I do it because it's good business to just, you know, keep integrity and make sure we're we're promoting what we want to promote. But um, it's funny. I I think you're dead right. Couple or individuals don't sit down and, and spend that much time thinking about how they want to be impacting the world or what really matters most to them. They just kind of wing it. Right, and, and then this leads to the next area that we haven't touched on at all, which is our, our young people, our children, our, the, the young people that we associate with, um, to help them really understand the long-term consequences of what they are posting or forwarding or creating online. That's huge. Let's and, take a break, though, Jill. I want to come back and get totally into the kids, how we help our kids do the same thing, even how we help them start to identify their core values. And I'm, and I'm assuming when we get into this, it's going to be really just mom and dad modeling it. Exactly. Good. Well, we're talking to Dr. Jill Manning. Uh, she's out of Colorado, um, a licensed marriage and family therapist, also uh, just an expert, an incredible uh, person, mom, wife, doing what she can to foster a more responsible virtual citizenship. We'll be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A transportation concept born in the 1950s is now taking airport passengers in London toward the future. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. A system of laser-guided driverless cars, or pods, at London's Heathrow Airport recently replaced a pair of diesel buses that used to drive in a loop from British Airways Terminal 5 to the airport's parking lots. The electric-powered Ultra PRT pods can hold four travelers and their bags as they travel up to 25 miles per hour along the airport's paved guideways. The system doesn't use a special railway or magnetic field. The pod's optical navigation system can be customized to follow just about any path. The average wait time for passengers is only about 30 seconds, and the pods have reduced the time it takes to get from the terminal to the car lots by 60%. Similar systems are under review by airports and transit systems in a number of American cities. The hope is that pods like these could eventually be integrated on regular roads, giving commuters a system that's clean, fast, and energy efficient. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. To time, we all face relationship challenges that involve friends, family members, or neighbors. Licensed therapist Julie Hanks helps you discover healthy alternatives for dealing with your struggles and for enhancing the quality of your life. Tune in to The Julie Hanks Show, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, kiddos, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Dr. Jill Manning, licensed marriage and family therapist, 
She uh, really has some great background as a social science fellow for the Heritage Foundation in D.C. She's uh, testified before Senate subcommittees about the harms of pornography. And on today's show, she's helping us understand that as people who are participating in this incredible you know, world online, we also have a responsibility and we are citizens there. So we have certain roles we're supposed to play. Um, not just uh, we don't just get the privileges of online. We also have some of the responsibilities of being good citizens. So, Dr. Jill, welcome back. Thank you. Loved it. And uh, so far, what you kind of talked about is this idea that we need to start very clearly, as all citizens do, kind of understanding what our role, what our values are, our our um, principles, kind of what matters most. One of the things I think of is how we want. You know, in 20 years from now, and 50 years from now, what do I want my kids to be able to say about me? And will they ever be able to go back online and find evidence contrary? Right. Or videos <laughs> or anything. You know, we, we talked earlier about citizenship and yeah. just what that entails, the rights and privileges and also responsibilities. And, and very a common rite of passage in our society is obtaining a driver's license. Mm. And before we obtain driver's licenses, it's it's... I mean, almost all the teens I know um, have to go through driver's ed. They have to learn the rules of the road, safety precautions, and ultimately that keeps them safe as a driver, but also everyone else around them. And I've often wondered what would happen if we took similar precautions with our young people as parents and leaders and teachers with our young people preparing them to enter the World Wide Web. I love that. Because there are, and it's not just internet safety, but really helping them understand what you forward, post, text, send out there has far-reaching consequences. I mean, it's so tragic every time there is a news story involving a suicide mm-hmm. or a story of cyberbullying or something that's been posted that just devastates a young person because they did not understand that putting something out there online how far-reaching that can be. Oh, yeah. Now, very often young people are taken advantage of in that way, and they trust someone that they shouldn't have. And, and so often with young people I say, let's get real, meaning let's think through, would you say or do or participate in this in real life? Would you post that photograph um, in your gym auditorium at school? Yeah, so everyone could see it. And and the gym auditorium is a good analogy. I mean, even though it's just a small slice of the audience that can see things online, it's something that they can visualize Uh more readily than the World Wide Web. Right. So to really help young people, you know, to have discussions as a family, what are the standards and expectations we have for online behavior? Such a good deal. It's such a good, it's just, it's, we do it, it's funny, we do it with cars, we, we do it with heavy machinery and equipment. We, pay, we make people go get training and certain licenses. If somebody's going to have a gun, we make them take hunter safety and all these kind of things, you know. Um, but we, we don't do it with the Internet, even though there's, there's research about how it impacts our self-esteem, our sense of worth. It could, you know, it could kind of be priming us for understanding sexuality and things like that. I mean, it's, it's profound. And yet we just kind of like, yeah, just go surf. Right. Oh, it's it's bizarre, really, when you when you stop and think about it. And there's been a researcher, Patricia Greenfield is her name at the UCLA. She's a researcher and psychologist at the Children's Digital Media Center there. Mm-hmm. 
And she did a study years ago, and she found that it is common. It's not rare. It's common, and in fact, even predictable, that in forums and social media sites and chat rooms and, and all the places that young people especially will visit, that those conversations and dialogues very quickly go into what we would label hate speech. There's a lot of sexism, racism, homophobic mm. comments, uh, aggressive and violent comments, and crude comments, where that anonymity really promotes a lot of and fosters antisocial behaviors that in the real world, right. there's some checks and balances that prohibit some of that or keep it in, in check. And we really have to think about the values that our young people are having um, that they are being exposed to daily, because we know that the most teens are online daily. Right, right. So what are the values and ideas and beliefs that they are being exposed to and practicing, Matt? Yeah. And how does that barrage compared to the amount of teaching that we are doing about the values we want to instill? And what if you did that? We should be having about Internet safety. And in fact, we know, for example, I just want to give one really interesting yeah. Um, stat here. We know that 90% of teenagers participate in social media net, networks and, and sites, Facebook, uh -huh. etc. 40% of those in, in studies that they've, they've done, 40% of those teens that are on those sites say that very often they encounter sexist, racist, anti-religious, and homophobic statements. Very often. That's almost half. Yeah. So Unbelievable. That's happening very often. Yeah, hourly, hour for hour. Yeah. Right. Like, how does that compare to the amount of teaching we're doing of pro social, kind, tolerant, and, and truth based teaching? That's amazing. What, what if we did measure it? I mean, it would be in our own family. What, I mean, is it hour for hour? Is every hour of me influencing my kids. Uh, do, do they get one hour with me trying to influence them positively to every hour? No. It's, is it 10 to 1? I mean, it's, that's a fascinating question. And, and I guess that's one of the solutions out there for parents is maybe that's your best role instead of just complaining about how bad the Internet is, is pick up your coaching, pick up your own uh, you know, social molding of your own children. Well, that's right. And, and I wouldn't want any listener to think, oh, well, with those stats, I mean, this is hopeless. I, right. There's no way I can compete with all the media messages coming at my children. But there is hope because we, those messages in the home are powerful, but we need to be doing them. Mm -hmm. We need to be giving messages about inter and teaching Internet safety. And I, what I like to say is with young children that we are co-pilots with them online, and as children grow and they get more independent and knowledgeable of that, then we become more consultants. Yeah. Stay involved. I, I'm really torn, Matt. I don't know really what the answer is when it comes to privacy online. I, I'm, I'm not sure yet how I feel about the degree of privacy a young person should have online, because there, it's just a risky environment. Well, and that's an interesting thing. I mean, maybe the mere fact you're online negates certain privacy. You know what I mean? Maybe it's, I mean, maybe privacy is what we have when we're not connected to the World Wide Web. I don't know. That's a great question because really, and especially at certain ages, you, uh, to what degree do you just let your kids go downtown on their own? 
I mean, uh, what, when would you ever drop your five-year-old downtown in this big city and say, okay, we'll pick you up at nine? Right. You, you're not right. going to let that happen. But we do it every night that our kids hop online. Yeah, that's a whole interesting uh, discussion. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, it's a great question. You're full of great questions, Jill. It's almost like you research a lot. Not as many answers. More questions. <laughs> well, no, but that's usually the best thing because, you know, the, the answers, I think, in the, in the end, we all kind of have to come up with them ourselves, just as long as you're getting us to ask the right ones. Well, I think, you know, you touched upon this earlier, but I think modeling positive pro-social media use is so key here. Mm. Um, you know, what are the... For example, my husband and I last week had a discussion where he was on his laptop and he was working. He was, he was doing some charts for work. Yeah. But I asked him, I said, what do you think our four-year-old thinks when she sees you working on a laptop? She, doesn't, she has no idea what you're doing on that computer. Right. For her, it's just dad's kind of tuned out and on a computer. Yeah, dad's just ignoring us. <laughs> right, right. Um, or dad's playing Club Penguin, playing. which is what she plays when she goes on. <laughs> so, you know, when we're on our phone and we're driving or we're, you know, out with our family and we're taking cell phone calls and whatnot, what is the message that we're giving to young people? Hmm. Are those the types of courtesies and, and etiquette that we're wanting to promote, that it's okay to be with people but not really with people and be just stuck and tuned in to these devices um, more than sometimes I believe we should. Well, and that's that. Just I guess that's that's it. As far as being a good citizen is is actually being mindful about it. Like ask, the mere fact you're asking the question, I think, is probably shaking a lot of people's minds because it would be easy to justify. I'm working. Hello. Yeah, but your five year old daughter doesn't know that. Right. Right. So, so what's your role so there? Asked, we had a discussion. You know, could that happen? During nap time, would there be anything wrong with doing work when she's asleep, or you know, um, and and when we are together, that that's present, engaged, active time together. That's great. You know, I, there was a study that came out just this last summer um, from Common Sense Media, and they did a survey of 1,100 teens, a nationally representative sample, and what they found was 41% of the teens they surveyed said that they felt they were addicted to online social media sites and texting and wow. all that kind of stuff. Now, that wasn't necessarily a clinical term. Yeah. That was, but they feel you know, this compulsion to have to be on right. it. Right. But then the, the next question was, do you believe your parents are addicted <laughs> to their computers or cell phones? And a third of them said yes. One third. One third of teens thought that their parents were addicted to their computers and phones. Oh, and, and that's an underestimate. And it, Right. <laughs> And I thought, wow, okay, what are we teaching the people around us, especially our young, about how not only to be a positive citizen online, but offline as well. Right, and, and how to do it. Because online activities are impacting the offline That's world. That's such a great... And what does it mean when you're all at grandma's and all the kids are ignoring grandma and on the phone? Because dad's on the phone. Right. Fascinating. We're going to take a break with Dr. Jill Manning. We're going to come back, and Dr. Jill is going to give us a, um, just a bunch of ideas, tools, things she's learned, some maybe some rules, some ideas for how to foster 
more responsibility, uh, just as adults, how to model it better with our family, our children, and those around us. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. For updates on the shows, sports, and the rest of BYU Radio's material, like us on Facebook. Then, let us know what you think of the program you're listening to. Give us feedback, ask questions, and connect with other BYU Radio listeners. Just search BYU Radio on Facebook and click Like. BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama says he will not be negotiating over raising the debt ceiling, which could put a hitch in House Republican plans to use the debt cap as a bargaining chip for spending cuts. Without the raise, the U.S. could default on its loans. With Vice President Joe Biden's recommendations to reduce gun violence coming tomorrow, President Obama said today he is going to work vigorously to implement them to help stop future tragedies like the Newtown, Connecticut shooting last month. State officials in Maryland and Delaware are also pushing for gun control, joining forces to urge the national government to ban assault weapons and certain high-capacity magazines. Former President George H.W. Bush is out of the hospital after seven weeks of treatment for bronchitis and related complications. He is currently the oldest living former president. Coca-Cola announced today they will be launching a new campaign to help fight obesity in the the U.S. Meanwhile, Cambridge, Massachusetts has announced they will likely implement a soda ban similar to the New York City legislation. Military suicides outpaced combat deaths last year, highlighting a growing problem in the U.S. armed forces. Pentagon officials say they are working to expand suicide prevention measures quickly. World news. After a weekend of airstrikes by French forces, Islamist militants in Mali are vowing to strike back as they continue to try and overthrow the current government, threatening to attack the heart of France. The Syrian civil war is creating a staggering humanitarian crisis, according to the International Rescue Committee. Over 2 million people have been displaced, with over 600,000 of those fleeing the country altogether. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about our online citizenship. Do you feel like you are a member of a community online? And do you have responsibilities to yourself, to others, to everybody else that uh, that has to read what you write, you know, or things that you post in your community? Uh, do you feel an obligation to your children? in how you handle uh, being online and all your technology. We're talking to Dr. Jill Manning, licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, Jill uh, has done a lot of research on this, and she doesn't, she's like acting like she doesn't know a ton. Just kidding. Jill, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. We know you know a ton. And you've researched a lot. You've testified before a Senate subcommittee 
Um, you, you've been a, a major player in trying to help create, you know, cleaner, safer media, um, even um, to the, I guess, the level of even putting together some pledges and things like that. Well, that pledge, that is, it's an exciting tool, and it's positive, and it's free. Anybody can download this and use this, or you could even create your own. It's called a Clean and Safe Media Pledge. I know KSL in uh, Utah yeah. uh, used this a couple of years ago for Out in the Light campaign. Anybody can go to DeseretBook.com and just search Media Pledge, and it will come up. It's in Spanish and in English. And what it is is it just outlines six different areas of Internet safety, but also Internet uh, standards, if you will. Yeah. And as a family, you can review these. You can modify them according to your needs or ages of family members. Or your, then, like, religious issues or preferences and, I mean, your values, really, huh? Right, right. I mean, on, on our pledge in our home, which we keep in our study right by the computer, on the back, we specified some things that really mattered to us that were, you know, over and above what was on the pledge. And then as a family, we all signed and dated that. Mm. And it's a visual reminder beside the computer as to what we stand for and what our expectations and standards are for online activities. And we'll we'll discuss that and come back to it every few months. You know, do we need to change anything or update anything? What do we need to talk about to make sure that we are all staying safe, but also doing no harm and engaged in worthwhile pursuits online. And, you know, we've had a conversation recently about what's, you know, good, better, and best activities online. Hmm. What kind of things do we want to be engaged in, associated with supporting? Because there's infinite number of choices online. Well, and so that what pledge, are we going to seek out? The pledge just gets you really talking about it, huh? And then you can start asking other questions like, and, and make it more specific. What are the good? What are the better? What are the best? Right, right. And that's even true. Yeah. Like, I mean, how many times do we get some email sent to us that we automatically forward on, um, but we don't necessarily ask, is this the good, better, or best thing I should be doing? Right. Is there right. a better message I can your be sending? Yeah, and attaching my name to. What are some of the things on the on the clean and safe media pledge? What, like, well, for example, um, number one, selecting books, websites, music, magazines, activities, or movies that are in harmony with our family family values. That's great. Number two, being kind to ourselves and to others by not posting or forwarding anything that could cause hurt, embarrassment, or offense. Boy, do I wish every person that went online. Would take a minute to think about that, and, th- really. and, and exactly, and think about like the dignity of the other person that they took the picture of. Right. Number three, showing respect for our body and others' bodies, because one thing we haven't mentioned today, Matt, is we know from from many studies that the internet, more so than other forms of media, is a highly sexualized environment. Hmm. It doesn't have to be. I mean, there's things we can put in place to protect ourselves right. from those kinds of messages. But generally speaking, this is a highly sexualized forum in media. And so, you know, discussing how we view the body and how we're going to show respect for that and how we uh, show respect for our sexual self and that of others is an important part of this discussion. That's exactly And, you know, also one thing that we've, we haven't touched on but is included in the pledge and that I would highlight as an important um, piece of this discussion is really deciding what kind of information, personal information, are we comfortable with putting online? And not just of ourselves, but also our children. Mm-hmm. You know, are our children okay with us posting pictures of them online? 
That's a great question. Do we even respect their privacy oh. and, and sense of comfort level with being plastered on a, um, you know, wherever we may be posting things? To if, really show respect for other people's feelings and, and desires and comfort levels. If you've ever had a teenage daughter and you posted a picture of her where maybe a pimple was showing, you've oh, heard about it. Neat. You've known, like, neat. you don't mess with me, Mom. Well, and we know from, from the Common Sense Media study uh, just this last summer that was released that the majority of teens do not understand the privacy policies of their own social media website. Oh, I bet. So they're not, they don't have a good understanding of really what does that mean, what, what stays where, who is seeing what. And so that's really part of our responsibility, I believe, as parents and leaders who have children in the Internet age, to arm them mm-hmm. with that understanding of, look, when you post something, this is where it can lead. This is how it can take on a life of its own. And what, a great tool and idea that I would offer, Matt, is to use current news stories as examples of the positive uses of the Internet and also the negative downsides of the Internet. Yeah, find where it works and find where it doesn't. Exactly. We commonly around our dinner table will discuss um, something that's gone on online that we've heard about or read, and very often those stories show examples, good and bad, of how the Internet has been a, a, a force. Do you remember when Instagram was going to change their policy, their rules, where they would open up um, they would open up your pictures to be to be able for companies to purchase and you and and buy your pictures, even yeah. though you wouldn't have the rights, you wouldn't gain any money or benefit from it. Instagram would. Well, do you remember the big uproar about that? And everyone's like, "Well, no one. Oh, they're not going to have pictures of my family." And I'm like, "Everyone's already got your picture. I mean, they're out there." And now you're mad because now someone might make a dollar on them. But right. That's a great example of where we could take them and say, look, then uh, if you don't want these pictures out there, be careful what we're posting. Right. And then and that's a message that I think many of us as adults could take to heart and spend a few moments yeah. thinking about, really, what are we doing when we post um, and send on? Uh, oh, I mean, everyone has had the moment where you've kind of gone, and I, I think my daughter calls it creeping, where you're out on someone's page and you're just looking at them like, no way, they're so skinny. How do they get so skinny? That's not real. And they just start judging. And But but then, too, we just, I mean, it just teaches a weird way. Maybe that's even what we could talk about is how we should judge ourselves and how we evaluate others and what is happiness. Because happiness isn't always just a trip to a beach. Well, that, that's a really fascinating discussion because the Internet's really promoted and created this very voyeuristic yeah. tendency. And I think all of us it's you know, were able to watch and read and see and um, play things that we may not otherwise. Well, we, we always kind of gawk when there's an accident. You know, it's the, we all kind of watch. We can't stop looking. But now we're doing it at night. A lot of times maybe when we just our husband was just unemployed. And we see our best friend from high school who's married a doctor, and now they're all over traveling. And then we always kind of assume they have a better life. And, you know, in my world, working with couples, it's never that good. I mean, we, we all have issues, but we don't always see it that way. Very, very true. That's good stuff. You, you've thought a lot about this, Jill. Well, I... 
I've been blessed with opportunities to to learn and deal with people dealing with the ramifications and effects of the negative side of, of the Internet, primarily with pornography and the double life that can often lead with that. But I, I really feel passionate, too, Matt, that uh, the Internet is such a positive tool mm-hmm. and power in our lives if we choose to use it as such. And just like I said with the, the driver's ed example earlier, it's up to us to teach our young people how to seek the good online, how to decide what is of value and what is not, and we have to lead the way. We have to model that. Are we teaching our young people to really decipher and discern what has value? Because especially online, it, there's such a barrage of information. I mean, it's just this buffet of everything under the sun. And it's hard to discern really what's even accurate and true right. and what has value. And, and, the, and, and we kind of, I love the idea of, taking the, the more appreciative approach to it, where we're looking for what's good about it. It's not just bad, but it's, no. we, we can't be naive either. We've got to know what's, what's potentially harmful, but identify the good. And then I love the idea of having a community where you're, you're a part and an active member of this community. I just noticed it on my own Facebook page. Um, I can pull up and, and put up a really good quote and you, 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 you're, I notice, and it creates a discussion. And then all of a sudden, 45 people are discussing this one quote, mm-hmm. and the quotes are powerful. Um, but, and I'm realizing I have power now to influence people in a way that I didn't or that I couldn't have 25 years ago. I wouldn't have had this power to just throw up a simple quote and then talk about it. Um, the power of of what's going on with Facebook and all of these things is enormous, and it, it, there's a responsibility. Well, and I think that is really the core of what we are talking about today, is that never before in the history of humankind have we as individuals been able to have such a large sphere of influence just by going online. Yeah. And w- w- there are responsibilities that come with that. Mm-hmm. If we have a desire to do no harm in that community, that online world. And I, I hope, and my experience has been that the majority of people are like that, that they don't want to do harm, but sometimes may not think through the consequences of something that is written or posted or tweeted or forwarded. And I think just becoming cognizant and really aware, hey, we do have responsibilities in this worldwide web as virtual citizens that we manage those carefully to be a force for good in the world. And, and you got to know that's your goal. Or in the end, you'll just, you know, one day you'll just forget. Or it'll be easier well, to just say something else. a lot of time yeah. and not have that energy and time devoted to goals and pursuits that really take you where you want to go. But you or, may have a really big farm on Farmville and... <laughs> have millions of acres with thousands of potential dollars of money coming in in fake farm goods. You don't want to deny that. You could. You could. <laughs> if, that, if that's your cup of tea, then I guess, If yeah, what you want is a fake could. farm, go for it. Go for it. But it might be better to actually make the choice, huh? Well, just... No, I mean, really, like, intentionally, no. Is this how I want to go down? Do I want my grandkids at my funeral saying, man, that woman could farm? Is that what I want? 
Because right. if it's not, you may have wasted a lot. Not waste. I guess, you know, you changed your farm. You saved a lot of fake animals. <laughs> but, I mean, it's so funny that we can, we, we get swept away in this river thinking that being in the river is what matters. When really maybe the river only serves us if we know where we're going. Well, I think what you're speaking to is entertainment in our lives. And I think the role and place of entertainment has become very blurry. And too much of day-to-day living has become a form of entertainment. Yeah. Rather than using entertainment as, as a way to take a break, um, step back or relax. or I mean, there's yeah. multiple uses for entertainment. But it's really become, um, I believe, too, uh, too dominant in our day-to-day living and losing focus of what are we really here for? What are we working towards? Do we ha- what do we have to show for it? And uh, just, again, being, being mindful of where we are, who we are, where we're going, and do our activities in the real world and online match up with those. And I, I think I've become more and more clear on that and passionate about it since becoming a mother. Have where you? my time is just, uh, uh, there's such a premium on my time. And so day-to-day, just having to make those choices as to what am I going to use my time for today? Well, and it's, I think, I mean, maybe that's just kind of the evolution of humans is we, we kind of take it to higher and higher levels, maybe get a little more clarity, a little more wisdom. Um, you, you already knew it academically. You knew it intellectually. You knew it professionally, the impact. And then you can't beat just the simple fact of having a child uh, to train you up a little bit. That's, an, that's enormous. As we wrap it up, um, we've got resources. So one thing they can do, again, is they can go to DeseretBook.com and just do a search under Media Pledge, and that would get into the pledge that, they, that Deseret Book kind of promotes. But, again, anyone can go make their own pledge. Any other resources we should be checking out as parents? You know, one thing that I really like is the FBI's Internet Safety Guide for Parents. It's outstanding. Well, what do they free. know? About well, internet they, safety. They know a thing or two. Don't they? Uh, totally. They do. And it, the, the guide is fantastic. I recommend that to anyone. And also, there's an organization called Enough is Enough. They're on the East Coast, but online their website has lots of resources for parents. They have a checklist called Rules and Tools for Internet Safety that I think is great. And mm. you can just download that online. Um, it's easy to use. And, you know, one thing that I, going back to the pledge, Matt. Yeah. that ties in with, I think, one of the most powerful resources of of all that doesn't cost a thing is just taking the time to have open discussions as a family or as a couple or just as an individual thinking through how do we want to participate online, what are our standards and expectations in that world. Just like we do, you know, I I hear many parents set expectations for behavior at school or church or whatnot, and that we just extend that good teaching into the realm of online activities. I love it. And then and solidify it if you can. Just the discussions are one thing, which is, I guess, the great thing about our Constitution is the document is one thing, kind of makes it permanent, but then we discuss it regularly in our courts. Uh, and this is probably similar. We create a discussion as a family. We solidify it into a pledge or something that's kind of tangible that can remind us all about it. But then we're open to discussing it again. That's right. And as children grow, as we're dealing with different ages or chapters of life, we can modify and, and adjust accordingly. In fact, we need to. Exactly. It's we powerful. 
Dr. Jill Manning, appreciate you again. You you know what? You just it's good when you see a pro that knows what she's doing or he's doing because uh, really you gave us some really important insight. Oh, well, it was great to be on today. Thanks so much, Matt. You're the best, Jill. And Jill, again, is a, is a marriage and family therapist. You can just probably look her up. Uh, do you have a website or anything that you'd want to give them, Jill, to find you? I don't currently. It's all right. They'll okay. just track you down. You know, they'll probably just show up on your door. Whatever. <laughs> you had your chance, Jill. <laughs> anyway, love having you, Jill Manning. Dr. Jill Manning um, really is uh, appreciate her insight Again, it's our lives, it's our family, and it's our impact that we're all out to have uh, with, um, you know, as we interact online. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. When we come back, we're going to get into giving you some real-life definitions of all those crazy little terms people use when they're texting. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A futuristic monitoring system originally conceived for spaceships may soon help keep you safe on the road. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. In the movies, starship crews know right away when their ship is damaged and how bad it is, because the ship can tell them. Guess what? Futuristic sensor monitoring systems aren't just science fiction anymore. California-based company Intelligent Fiber Optic Systems, or IFOS, has developed a system of sensors that uses fiber optics to monitor structural integrity and pinpoint damage in boats, cars, airplanes, buildings, and even bridges. The advanced system uses multiple sensors implanted at strategic locations within a structure. When the sensors detect changes that signal trouble, fiber optics transmit data to operators that tells them how bad the damage might be and where they should take a closer look. The system serves as an advanced early warning system so engineers can fix trouble spots even before regularly scheduled maintenance might catch a problem. This sensor technology can also be used to keep an eye on voltage levels in power lines, detect toxic chemicals in the air, and even monitor oil and gas pipelines. With this intelligent monitoring system, maintenance crews can focus their energy and resources to make your commute safer, even if you aren't traveling by spaceship. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. With a parent's perspective on a new musical story, I'm Rod Gustafson. Children and teens likely won't be enticed by the quartet, the story of a retirement home for opera singers, orchestra members, and other musically inclined retirees. But adults may appreciate this touching tale of four former members of a quartet who find themselves reunited. Here's Jean and all her glory. Oh, Jean. You haven't changed a jot. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I say she still looks like a young girl? Reggie, don't I get a kiss? Reg? Now, I apologize for hurting you. Please be kind to me. Brief strong language, including two sexual expletives and repeated sexual comments, are the quartet's biggest content concerns. However, this cast of seasoned actors brings some of their best performances to the big screen in this PG-13 rated story. Get all the details at parentpreviews.com. Wrapping up the show here on the Matt Townsend Show. 
Uh, we've been talking about how to be a, a healthy online citizen, how to promote being a good citizen. And probably one of the fastest ways that we could do it is, uh, I guess, modeling it, right? Like Jill, Dr. Manning was talking about modeling um, this behavior, knowing very clearly what your values are and making sure you're living up to it. Another way, I think our producer Rob here has put together, uh, maybe another way to be a good online citizen is to know what people are talking about when they're putting all these acronyms together. Well, and particularly your kids, because they're hiding behind the lingo. My kids talk in like a pig Latin. I don't know what it's called, but it's not in regular pig Latin, but... I don't understand a word they're saying. And it was to your face, but you you didn't know yeah. what they were saying, but you knew they were saying something. Uh-huh. And now this is the same thing on text. So you're concerned about your child. You be the nosy parent. You look at their texts, and you find all kinds of acronyms, and yes. you need to figure out what they are. So let's soft, do it. Let's softball them for you. Okay. LOL. LOL. Um, LOL. Laughing online. Laugh out loud. Blah. Okay, Thanks. Guy boy, BTW. I can't believe you didn't know that. I knew that one. By the way, by the way, that's correct. BRB, bring root beer. Be right back. Okay, bring your root beer. <laughs> Don't forget BRB. <laughs> You're from the old BYOB generation. Yeah, that was no, close. Uh, BFF. Oh, best friends forever. Correct. How about uh, just BF? Baloney something. Boyfriend. Ah. BF. Oh, my BF. Yeah. So GF. Oh, G- GF would be it's not that girlfriend. Hard. Yeah, there we go. This is easy. <laughs> I need to see him. I'm very visual. Now, there's right. some more difficult ones okay. that I'm not as aware of. Now, this, actually, this one is IMO. You are? <laughs> IMO. <laughs> I am Skylar. I'm emo. Emo. That's no. emo. It's in my opinion. Oh. You see that one less with kids because. In they, my opinion. They don't, they, so somebody will have a comment that's kind of yeah. opinionated and they'll put comma, IMO. IMO. That's more among adults okay. than it is. What kids. adults remember that? The problem is because I'm not a teenage texter, I don't know if these are true or not. Okay, I'll help but you. But according to this list, MOS. Man on the street. Yeah, we in radio. Street. Yes, but Tyler on here, just perked no. up right there. What perked is it? Up Ma- or just we watched his soul darken. Either <laughs> yeah. he's like, don't either. make me do that again. Oh, don't make me put a microphone in someone's face. Mom over shoulder. Oh, oh, is that what that means? P A W. Pa. Parents That's against water. Parents are watching. Ooh, goodness. P I R. P-I-R, um, oh, pretty in red. Person in room. Yeah. yeah. Person in the room, correct. Yeah. Well, why would it matter if a person's in the room if you're texting? Because- Oh, uh, maybe you were talking and then, I don't know. Well, it could also be its variant meaning, parent in room. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Can't text that. She might grab my phone. Um, These uh, kids are, that's <laughs> scary. P911. That was that is an exercise program. P nine one one is the one that preceded P ninety X. Yeah, and it had a more accurate title because by the time you were done with your workout, you had to dial nine one one. I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> no, and P nine one one is a code, another code for parents in the room. But I wouldn't have thought of that. I go, why are they talking about nine one one? The kids are talking code. 
They're like the they're like the code breakers, the code people that talked code in the World War II. Albeit one Google search and you can hack the code, but <laughs> PRW. Yeah. PRW is a um, it's a company that transports packages for companies. I think you're thinking of DHL or DLH or whatever the other one is. No. DFW is an airport in Dallas. <laughs> PRW's parents are watching. <sighs> it's always about the parents. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of those. Uh, a huge category of those. Uh, RL. RL. Really laughing. Real life. T-T-Y-L. I've actually used that one. T-T-Y-L. Tina Turner. Young looking. No! Man. Talk to you later. It's oh! Kind of, it's kind of the modern version of TTFN. Ta-ta Do you guys use ha-ha a lot? Like, I noticed that my kids write ha-ha a lot. Ha-ha. Like, I, like I didn't yeah. get the joke. I generally only use ha-ha to be like... You sent me something that you thought was funny, and I can't really think of anything to reply back, and ha, I don't ha. find it that funny. So, ha, so ha, ha, ha is really not funny. Ha ha means I'm probably not really your friend. Well, I, yeah, it could be amusing. You know, if you get something like, oh, that's that's kind of cool, and I, you know, ha ha, it's as opposed to LOL, which is reserved for something substantially funny that actually made you smile. Yeah. The problem is because LOL represents laugh out loud. The rare time somebody sends you something that genuinely makes you almost want to laugh out loud, roll on the floor laughing, that one, there's no acronym left because you use LOL, ROFL all the time. See, we're ruining our kids. They will not be able to write letters. Can you imagine what their resumes are going to look like? Which is why we've got to listen to what Dr. Jill Manning said. Uh, let me just challenge you something. I'm going to put something on my Facebook page. So if you want to go to my Facebook page... I am just look up Matt Townsend on Facebook. I'm going to put a link to that clean, safe media pledge that Jill was talking about. Just look me up on Facebook. We'll put that up there and you can download that pledge and and talk to your kids about it. Again, thanks for joining us. We're here to help you. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more great ideas to help you through this crazy thing we call life. You're listening to Matt Townsend show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.